In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, baseball isn't boring. It hasn't been boring in, in some some time, maybe ever, uh, but certainly in the last couple months, it hasn't been boring, in large part to our guy, Sean Spradling, the guru of all things World Baseball Classic, International Baseball, WBC Central. And uh, since we are having this subject, I wanted to bring on an expert. And the subject is what exactly happened after the WBC in terms of making guys either good or bad? It's that simple. First of all, hey, Sean, what's going on? Hey, Rob, how's it going? Yeah, there's, I mean, we've seen a lot of players after the WBC. We had, what, two injuries? But for the most part, we got out without any uh, any major issues. So it's been pretty good so far. Uh, so far, so far. So, uh, so just to sort of set the scene, and first of all, thank you, FanDuel. Every moment matters, and this certainly matters right now. Um, the What mattered really was when I did the podcast about – I guess it was a week ago, a week ago uh, with Neil Solons of the Rays radio broadcast. And he brought up something that I hadn't thought about. And we were talking about at that time, the Rays hadn't lost a game. And then when they went a few more days without losing the game, they still are really, really good. I don't know if everyone understands this, but he had mentioned how one of the reasons he thought was that the Rays had 12 guys in the WBC, and he thought there was a carryover. And and it's been talked about. I'm not sure how much it played a factor in this really fast start, but the Rays had 12 players, including eight on the 40-man roster in the World Baseball Classic. And maybe playing in a high-competitive environment mm. before the season started has helped guys get off to a good start. I I don't think it hurts. Take a look I'll- at the start Wander Franco's off to right now. Um, and I looked at his at-bats watching him in the WBC going, ooh, he's locked in. These are really good at-bats. These are playoff-like at-bats. As soon as he said it, Sean, I was like, oh, that's interesting because it immediately made me think different because I think as mm-hmm. I probably told you before, my vision of the or view of the WBC ever since it started was, oh, guys are going to get hurt. Yeah, it's fun at the time, but guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to get hit. And when the season started, it's not going to pay off. But mm-hmm. because of preparation and because of the intensity and because it has evolved, maybe I was wrong. Um yeah, so I don't know if that piqued your interest, if you had been thinking about that, or if that was on your radar at all, or or it just got it going. Yeah, I mean, I, I was super curious after the WBC to see what like the numbers would look like, um, how players would react to the regular season if they'd hit the ground running or if they'd struggle because it's like they're used to being amped up and now it's like the regular season, kind of a slow burn. And so I was, I was also pretty curious and. I mean, the I think he may have hit the nail on the head. I think there could be multiple reasons why the the Rays had started out pretty hot, but 
I can't help but think that that is at least one reason why. Because if you look at a couple of the guys that have the best numbers on the Rays, Wander Franco, uh, Randy Rosarena, they were both guys that played in the WBC, especially Randy, who played all the way until the semifinals. So I, I can imagine that that at least had some sort of impact. All right. So we have a couple people on. We went and interviewed a couple notable people to sort of ask them this exact thing. And they came at it from different perspectives. Uh, one is David Robertson, is a relief pitcher, obviously now with the Mets, who played for Team USA and has played WBC a couple times now. Um, and then we, the manager of Team Mexico, Benji Gill, who was super happy to talk to because I think that, and, and as you know this, Sean, because you were there, like his yeah. sort of his sort of message after they lost was so powerful, right? And he and he talked, oh, about, yeah. right? I mean, you talked to him there, Don. I mean, he was he had a great perspective of it. Well, I got to talk to him right before the Team USA versus Mexico game, which was like their like the biggest tournament. I mean, the biggest game of Pool C, um, where they ended up beating USA. And I asked him like, "What does it mean for you to be able to like be the manager of the Mexican national team?" He was talking about how big of an honor it was, how much it means to these players. But then. I don't think anyone really expected them to make it all the way to the semis. And so after the semifinals in Miami, when we were in the press conference, um, someone asked like what it means to him and what it means to the team. And he was talking about how even though they lost in the semifinals, didn't make it to the the final, how that would be that that was considered a win for them in Mexico because of just how much baseball has grown in those two weeks with how successful they were and and how much they overachieved and inspired like generations of baseball in Mexico. So it was a really powerful message for sure. Yeah. And and he kind of expounds on that a little bit in the interview you're going to hear a little bit later, but before we get, we'll start with David Robertson. Um, But before we get to him, I do want to ask you, and you've you've looked at some numbers, right? We, yeah. I want to ask you about some some of the guys who might be notable guys that we have evidence of, and and obviously, like we had already thrown out. Oh, the Rays have all these guys. You had mentioned you made mention of a couple of them. Um, you know, I I think it, as I was talking to Benji Gill, I said off the top of my head, oh yeah, Alex Verdugo's off to a really really good start. So oh, there you go. But give me some of the give me some of the things that you've uncovered. Yeah. So something, so when I was looking at the numbers of how players that played in the WBC are doing now after the WBC in their regular season, something that I had to keep in mind was that these players are supposed to have good numbers for the Mm -hmm. most part, because they're the all-stars of those all-stars, like of those countries. So Mike Trout, you expect him to have good numbers all throughout the season. If if a player like Juan Soto is in a slump, he's going to come out of it eventually. Like he has a a positive OPS plus, even though he's hitting below the Mendoza line, he's going to be fine. Um, but I wanted to look more at the players that may be like fringe all-stars or more role players on their team. A uh, couple of the guys that stuck out to me are Luis Arias, who was hitting 500 mm-hmm. um, for a while. He's hitting who, 471. Who, who, was good, who was good last year, but seems to be even better. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah like possible. But, he was he was the batting uh champion last year and yet he still is doing better somehow and he was destroying the ball in Miami. We weren't used to seeing that power but he had multiple he had had a two home run game uh in Miami for the WBC so I think most people expected him to kind of come out hot. Um but that's one guy that I stuck out to me. And then you got like Pete Alonso's leading the league in home runs. He started out really hot. Um Kyle Tucker who's Normally not a like a fast starter to the season. He usually takes a little bit and then has a really strong second half. He has over a thousand OPS. So you got guys that are 
that you aren't maybe used to being elite, elite that are mm. starting really strong, which is what you talked about in that uh, that interview. These guys are kind of hit the ground running. So right, and you know, and there's it's interesting because there's different potential reasons for it, but. Before we get to that, I want to get to Robertson because he has a perspective of it. And it's not all, and as you're going to hear, it's not all roses and, and rainbows. I mean, this is, he's he's a realist about this stuff. So anyway, here's here's Robertson. When I looked at the WC, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a tough thing for players to persevere through. But now maybe guys prepared and maybe the adrenaline and the and the intensity actually helped going into the season i don't know i mean i'm, I'm anxious to get your thoughts it's, it's on very it. intense very early yeah. um for the guys who you know like having done it myself like I, I prepared a lot more than i normally would have to, to to go play in the world baseball classic for guys who weren't quite ready for it and you get there it's it's a lot it's a big toll on your body real quick not just physically but mentally there's so so a lot going on more so than you thought yeah or, more so than you thought yeah there's big crowds and represent your country and anytime you're wearing usa on your chest it means a lot so yeah. it's it can it can wear you down real quick but i i can see how like it would definitely it would definitely spur you to the next level really early. quickly yeah. yeah very early so when you step back into spring training it's almost like a letdown yeah, and, uh, but then, but then, like, yeah. but you're prepared at least, right? I mean, that's yeah, you're definitely prepared, and yeah. I feel like the start of the season is when it kind of like comes back. So if it was like I, you know, if the baseball classic kind of geared more towards the end, and then you get to immediately go from there into the season, I yeah. think it'd be a little bit easier for guys to make that adjustment. Yeah. Um, but definitely, definitely. So, so I mean, this you're just make, piquing my interest even more, possibly <laughs> because like I look at through the. Again, the World Baseball Classics before, they're, they're, it's okay. Guys are breaking breaking down like really early on, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the preparation is different. What's different this time around? For, for this time around for the for the for WBC, yeah. I mean, you said you 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 knew. What was coming, I, yeah, right? I knew what was coming. I, yeah. I prepped a little bit, a, a lot earlier than I normally do. Like, I mean, I usually show up at spring training having not thrown a baseball. Okay. Doesn't mean I don't work out. I'm just I'm, I just am not ready to throw until I get there. Mainly because I feel like we've got 45 days of spring training. If I can't get ready to throw one inning in 45 days, something's not right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, you got. I mean, it's like I said, it's 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 a it's a whole. Did it, it did it slap you in the face right away? Did it be like, oh wow, it's this like is a playoff game right out of the game. right out of the so way. Your, your, yeah. your soreness and everything the next day is all really, really <laughs> expect. It will it will get you. You will feel it. You will feel it after an outing in the WBC, and those position players will feel it after playing a game at full speed right out of the gate. You know, there's one thing where you're playing in spring and you're kind of coasting through a few, maybe hustling out a couple yeah. plays here and there. But when you're full go the whole time. You're gonna feel it, and you're doing it for multiple weeks, a yeah. couple weeks, right? Yeah. And you don't play every day, which is kind of different. Yeah. You go, you're gonna have days off in between, and that's also kind of a drag. So you get you way up, and then you come back down for a couple of days, and then yeah. you play, and then you'll play another game, and then you're, you're you're way up again, and then you have to come back down, and yeah. like, that's like a it's like a roller coaster of soreness. The last question is just like, so now we're in it. Is it something where okay, you knew it was intense. Now you, we, we like you said, we see guys hitting the ground running. That's great, but then now we have to be careful of. It's a long season, it's a very long. Right. Season, so, yeah. do you, is that in the back of your mind? I mean, I had one of my best seasons during it in yeah. 2017, uh, and I played it. And I feel like I threw a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, this guys, there's no, there's no chance to turn the turn the intensity down you once, can, once yeah. the big league season starts. So, I think you know. You, know, you might see some changes in some guys later on in the season, maybe, maybe that 100-game mark or something like that. But 
You know, it just depends on the person, the individual, and their work ethic. Yeah. How prepared they were when they got there. I ask everybody why baseballs are boring at the end. There's no wrong answer. Um, and maybe you want to answer. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Why you like baseball, right? Why, so the, why isn't baseball boring? It's never been boring. I mean, it's America's sport. It, it, actually, things can change on in, in an instant on the field. You know what? A couple that walks, a couple knocks, and next thing you know, a home run, and the score's changed, and another team wins. A.J. Preller just gave that same answer yesterday. What well, the really same thing, like how 140 pitches, every single pitch, something can change, You can right? do everything great and give up one, make one bad pitch or make one error in the field, and the whole game changes. Yeah. It's a true team And sport. no other sport's like that. I don't think. Yeah, you know, football's got a little bit of it. Yeah. You, know, you make one bad pass or one ball gets tipped and an interception, and next thing you know, you lose the game. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's very intense like that. Yeah. I mean, whereas basketball, you're back and forth the whole time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just different. I mean, you know, ours is so slow, and the action happens so fast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess I'll ask you, Sean, what's your takeaway from that, from the David Ross? Yeah, I think the thing that stuck out to me is – how I hadn't realized this, but he had mentioned how 2017, the year after, like the regular season after he played, that was his best season. Like I looked up his numbers, his ERA was one uh, 184 across uh, both playing for the White Sox and the Yankees, which is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it was pretty impressive how that year that he played in the WBC to start the season, he ended up, I mean, having a great season, which most people for I mean, for good reason, are more scared of the pitchers in the WBC. So it was really cool to see him do really well after he participated. Mm. And you know, for me, honestly, it was the the holy mackerel. This is more intense than ever. You know, yeah. and, and, and so and you were there and you saw the intensity. Oh uh, yeah, you felt the intensity. But for him, a guy who not only like understands the intensity of baseball, certainly in March certainly yeah. in the regular season and then the postseason, you know, and he also had gone through it before, but for him to have gone through it before, have understood like all of that comes with baseball and then to say, well, wait, hey, you know, like I was putting on my heels and that's where it's, I'm going to morph this into the conversation we're having about guys starting quick yeah. because that is the obvious thing that makes guys start quick. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, just, all right. It makes you amp up your game faster. You got to get ready, and next thing you know, you come back. Even though you might have a smattering of spring training games, you still—it's a week away before the regular season, and boom, there it is, right? So I don't know if that hit for you either. Yeah, it did, and that's—I mean—that's a common sentiment I've heard from a lot of players, a lot of players, especially the pitchers who just aren't used to being in that atmosphere and that intensity at that point of the year. Um, But I mean, I—I kind of looked at all of the pitchers from. Team USA, because that's the one that everybody's worried about. Those are the like those coaches are the ones that don't want their players to play at this point. I looked at the ERA of all of them, and it's a pretty mixed bag. You got a lot of the starters who may have started slower in the regular season, like Miles Michaelis, Brady Singer, and Lance Lynn. They all kind of struggled at the beginning of the season. But then you got someone like Kyle Freeland, who has a 0.96 ERA to start this season. Merrill Kelly has a sub three ERA. So it's it's a pretty mixed bag. Um, it's kind of funny. No one. <laughs> on the USA pitching staff has an ERA between three and five. It's all really good, <laughs> really? Or really bad. <laughs> so it's funny. Uh, uh, well, listen, I mean, the, it, it is, you know, and we go into this conversation and we know that it, it, there isn't, it's not a exact formula and that we aren't going to have, oh, this is absolutely how it's going to be. And, and another part of this, Sean, is that 
it's a fun conversation to have, and I'm glad we're doing it just about a month out. But but at the same time, we're gonna have to do another one in two months from now because totally. this is the other part of it. Is is that yeah yeah okay? No injuries now, not a lot of injuries, but this isn't what we're talking about. In in a lot of ways, and we had Matt Strom on last week talking about all the rule changes. He said, "Well, wait till June and July. You know, that's mm-hmm. when you're gonna have guys get hurt because everything's speeding up." Well. Wait till June and July. Maybe the intensity of March is going to come back to haunt them. Well, that's the hard thing that about this season, too, is that we have two big changes from a normal season. We have all these rule changes and the WBC. So when we get to June and July, it's going to be difficult to figure out like, oh, this guy got hurt. I wonder if it's this factor or this factor. And I think the reality is like we're never going to truly know, but we can hopefully gauge like, oh, well, this guy played in the WBC and he's slowing down in August rather than in September. Maybe it's an innings thing, you know? So I don't know. It'll be, but it will be really interesting later in the season to see how these players are performing and how they last throughout the season. Do you think we're going to look back? um, And this is an opinion in your perspective. Yeah. But do you think we're going to look at this and get to June and July and not see the and com- compare this to, let's say, 2009, which is, you know, the, the infancy almost of this, yeah. this tournament? But we aren't going to see the, the problems that arose because of the things that we're talking about, because players did prepare more, because they knew what they were getting into. Um, because I remember doing that exercise. And it was ugly, man. It was ugly. It was like a lot of pitching injuries. Um, some of the guys who did really, really well, but sort of they rode a lot. I mean, they, but now we can't ignore that they did approach this a little bit differently, right? Yep. Well, I think you talked to Adam Jones about that and how the preparation before the WBC is totally different now than it used to be. Mm. Even for Team USA from 2013 to 2017, there was like there was no preparation whatsoever before the tournament in the, in the early editions of the WBC. And now they give them a couple of weeks or even like a couple of the, the countries, they get like a month to, to prepare um, before the WBC starts to continue that ramp up. And they're in constant communication with the team. So my hope and my expectation is that there won't be all these injuries like later in the season, uh, freak, like, uh, I don't know, pitchers that aren't able to last the whole season because they knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, I think the reality is when we might have one or two, but I don't think it'll be nearly as bad as it used to be. Well, speaking of this conversation, you know, along with talking about what this what this tournament did for Team Mexico and for Mexico baseball, um, Benji Gill also talks about this about slight adjustments they might be able to make to to maybe to help this. So anyway, here, uh, before we talk about that. I'm going to yeah. give you Benji Gill. Here's Benji Gill. Have you seen an impact, whether it's being the, the emotion, whether it be just whatever it might be? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it has. I mean, uh, in Mexico, I know that it, it, there's been a major impact. And, and uh, it has been. That, that I mean, I even get messages from, like, they have a, they call it like the MLB Cup in Mexico. It's like for younger age groups, right? But the excitement, I've talked to parents have gotten sending messages, coaches, and the excitement is just so much bigger than it has been in other years right mm. um, I don't know if it's the, 
kids feel that they have a better, more of a chance, more excited about possibly getting to the big leagues at some point. Does that surprise you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, when you so you go into it, you feel a certain way, and then obviously you see it unfold, and now you get the messages and everything else. I mean, that was kind of like the hope, right? The hope was that that um, we do well, and that it helps the game grow in our in our country, right, and and globally, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, direct impact is each team with their own country right um so um and and i think i expressed expressed it at some point it's like um you know baseball in the states was not going to grow a tremendous amount if if the u.s wins Mm. in japan it's still number one uh in mexico it was puerto rico is still number one Mm. so of the teams that were at the end the one that was going to make a major impact was Mexico because over there soccer is number one. Mm. Um, so um, not to, for it to pull hey, people now? away from soccer, but mm. just for there to be more interest in, in our sport was was huge. And um, apparently it, it, it's, it has mm. um, brought a lot more excitement towards baseball. So mm. um, I believe that that's... Um, that was the biggest victory, you know, um, of the tournament for, for us. The last thing is just, you know, I've talked to some guys about how it's really helped guys going into the season. And we've always looked at WBC as sort of like, well, our guy's going to break down. What's it mean? Yeah. Guy, you have to amp up so quick. But then someone pointed out to me, the Rays had 12 guys, you know, at WBC, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we, one of your guys, Verdugo, off to a great start. Yeah. Um, for, and I know it's not everybody, but what's your perspective of that? Um, I think I think it does it does help, right? Because you and and luckily the when when it ended, I mean there was only five or six days left in right. spring training, right? So um, it kind of gives you time to kind of get over that um, all the emotions of it mm. but at the end of the day you still are in rhythm mm-hmm. because you had meaningful bats mm-hmm. so I think it, it helps as far as that um, I think if um, I think I've had a lot of people ask me if anything could change to make it better I think if anything if you push it back uh, or push it forward even another four or five days I think that that would make it even better because now it's you finish the tournament, you have two, three days of spring training, and you go into the season. Mm-hmm. And it would give the opportunity for the pitchers to get one more outing, especially the starting pitchers, get one more outing with their teams. So then when you do go to the same restrictions, mm-hmm. they are more apt to throw the 60 pitches the first round and then the 80 pitches and then, you know, in the finals. Some of them in the finals, 95. I mean, I know that we we weren't going to go anywhere close to 95 mm. um, with anybody because it's still one outing left in spring training and then the season. So, All right. So once again, Sean, your takeaway. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's what we talked about earlier. I, I don't know. I'm so happy for Benji Gill. Like th- this was the most successful Mexican national team in b- history, like for, for the WBC or any baseball competition they've ever had at this level. So I don't know. I was really happy for him and for, for the team. I think that specifically when he talks about like starting the season or starting the WBC even closer to the season, 
I mean, I could see that working. I just, I feel like teams, like clubs want to have never go, players. They'll never go for it. And as soon as I, I, I applaud <laughs> him for thinking about that, but he, but they're already, I mean, they already bristled by the fact that you have these guys for just over a week heading into the season. And especially yeah. this year, Sean, I mean, one of the things was that, that they had to get used to these rules and then the new rules in which they didn't have in WBC. So anyway, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just say, hey, listen, I mean, it's just never not going to happen. No, no, I agree. Like you're not, they have one week in between the WBC and the season. The teams want that week. They want to be like, okay, like status check. How are you? Let's make sure that you're healthy going into the season. I, I can't imagine any team is going to want to be like, okay, WBC. And then the next day opening day. So how do you feel like so in, in that respect, maybe the most notable example was you Darvish, right? As that tournament was unfolding, everyone was like, Well, what's gonna happen to you Darvish? Wait, wait, so he's not pitching as much as he would in spring. Like, so what's your take on what ended up happening? Because he ended up, you know, he's pitching and seems okay. And what's your take on I actually saw him when I went to New York, saw him go up against Max Scherzer and he gave up some runs in the seventh, but he looked really, really good. Uh yeah, what was your take on that? Yeah, I mean, Darvish pitched, I mean, I think he pitched last night or two nights ago. He did really well. I think yeah. he had like 12, 13 Ks. So he seems fine. I think, I mean, if you heard the the Padres front office talk about him before the, the WBC, they were like, we trust him. He is a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Like, we're going to let him do what he wants to do and what he thinks is best for himself. And Darvish has seemed like, always seemed like that guy that does take care of his body and takes mm-hmm. care of himself. He's had a couple injuries, but like, I mean, his regimen is pretty structured. So I... I don't know. The the one that kind of confused me or didn't confuse me, I was just more surprised at was Otani because mm-hmm. all throughout the WBC, they talked about him starting game one of the WBC against China so that he could have enough time to pitch an opening day, which he still ended up doing for the Angels. But they had they they had accounted for the Angels, had accounted for him pitching one game in the final or one inning in the final, I mean. Mm-hmm. So... They they were still in constant communication with Samurai Japan, but that was only a couple of days, honestly, between the last day of the WBC and the in the opening day. So I was surprised that they let him pitch in that last game, but I was really happy because then we got that all time at bat of uh, Trout versus Otani. And, and and by the way, you know this is we can say well what's going to happen in June and July. All we know is the here and the now, and Otani is just you know he's being Otani. I mean he's. Uh. he's not skipping a beat. He's been awesome. He's he's uh, insane. I mean, yeah. he, both at the plate and pitching, he is elite. Well, we we have the fun, you know, the betting isn't boring day, and we did we did Otani versus the field for MVP. And it's tough, man. Like <laughs> it's tough to take the field. Like I'll be honest with you. Um, but you you had mentioned uh, Samurai Japan, and you have a podcast uh, where we have a podcast coming out a little bit later this week um about that team celebrating that team right and and looking it's great let's just because if there's need if there was ever a team that needed to be have its own like focus it's that team so talk a little bit about what's coming up oh yeah i can't wait yeah later this week um so on wbc central which is on the baseball isn't boring network we i i had uh yaku cosmopolitan who is like the leading english language japanese baseball account on twitter and all socials 
um, had him on so that we could just do like a tribute to Samurai Japan. So this 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 podcast is going to be pretty long. It's going to be like a super pod, but it's all just an overview of the whole experience walking through Samurai Japan's 2022 to 2023, starting with like the preparation with the WBC back like last summer, all the way to like what is going on now in the aftermath of them winning the championship in the WBC and being world champions. So we go pretty in depth with like all the different storylines. So it's going to be, it's going to be a ton of fun. That's awesome. I mean, that team is under, I think it's like a lot of things in the WBC. The, the average baseball fan got so familiar with so many guys, including, by yeah. the way, you know, one guy almost to a detriment. I'm going to be honest with you, Yoshida. And I, I said this, you know, when, when he came out of the WBC, there was this perception of that Masa Yoshida was this cleanup hitter. This guy who's like, oh my god, he's a good compliment to Otani. He hit the momentous home run, um, clutch hitter. Look at the at bat, so forth and so on. And you know, in Boston, they're desperate for superstars right now, and they're like, you got to be a superstar. And as yeah. we sit here right now, he's struggling, man. Like he, yeah. he's, and I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying that he won't figure it out. But I actually talked to Nick Martinez, um, who played against him in Japan. And he was very, very good talking about this is the difference between Japan and the USA. And in, in a nutshell, it was that the pitchers are moving and you just have to cover more of the play. You have to cover, in other words, whereas you had to cover uh, this at this level in the strike zone, it's going to go rise a little bit higher, an inch or two mm-hmm. higher. And that's the difference. I mean, and I wouldn't know that. Nick Martinez would know it better than I would, right? Yeah. But but that you know what I'm saying about Yoshida? This is this is sort of an interesting guy. Yeah, it's I mean, it's interesting too because plate discipline has never been his issue. All in Japan, he was he I mean, he was the Juan Soto over there of plate discipline. Like he'd walk twice as much as he strikeouts, which I mean, we're seeing now. He has seven walks and four strikeouts, but he's just hitting everything into the ground. Everything. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, maybe it is like a slight difference in movement. I know the ball is a little different over there. And so, I mean, even just the slightest change in the way that pitchers grip the ball or how much tackiness is on the ball might affect him up to this point. But hope, I mean, I'm hoping that he can adjust, but he just hasn't looked good up to this yeah, point. Yeah, but, you know, and just coming again, it's, it's the WBC was such a powerful thing. And for that, the perception of him was so... So power, all right? I mean, for a lot of guys, they were. I mean, yeah, I mean, he he led. Uh, he has the most RBI of any player in WBC right. history in one single WBC. So you can't get any higher than that. So it's hard because now since he started slow, everybody had this high expectation of him. Was there anybody else in the WBC um, who we can look back at and, and, you know, who sort of like jumped off the page and had such a great tournament and, you know, that that made you want to follow him? Even more, you know, obviously, I'm not talking about the superstars, but anybody who got on your radar. Yeah, I mean, you could talk for. And there's nothing we haven't said about Otani, but like, the, I think the guy, and I said this actually on one of the WBC Central uh, episodes. Uh, I think that for one week, the whole WBC was about Otani. It, it was all to to spotlight him and to show the world who he is, gain millions of followers on Instagram and everything. But for one week. I think Randy Rosarena became the face of baseball. Oh, right. Great call. Man, he, like, everybody fell in love with him with his crossed arm, like, celebration with all his, like, outfield catches. Like, he led all the WBC in doubles. Like, he only had, like, one or two hits that went for singles. Like, everything was extra base. He was electric. He was signing, like, autographs over the fence in left field. 
I, I truly do think that like the world, like the baseball world fell in love with him more than anybody over that week. And I think that, you know, not to play amateur psychologist, I think it made him feel more like a star. Like it, you know, and yeah. he carried over the arm folding thing and, and the two people, in t- the 9,000 people in the stands at Tampa, you know, they're folding their arms and, and, but he also like understand this is the player that we thought he was going to be after the postseason from a couple of years ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, it's great, man. The conversation never dies. The conversation never dies. <laughs> I'm looking for the, for your podcast later this week, Sean. Thanks so much, man. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And I mean, the WBC is only three, less than three years away. So we and then qualifiers are only two years away. So and if you look at the I wanted to say one last thing before we go. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, I looked at the war, like the top players in war so far. It's early in the season. It's only two weeks in. But of the the top 10 players in, in the league in war, five played in the WBC. Of the top 29 played in the WBC. And then of, of all of the pitchers that had one or more win above replacement, all the pitchers, five of them were playing in the WBC. All right. So even, even the pitchers, you got uh, Kyle Freeland, Shohei Otani, Jesus Lazardo, Pablo Lopez, and Marcus Stroman. So you got a lot of those guys that you wouldn't expect to be at that point, like top 10 pitcher in the league right now. But Stroman, Pablo Lopez, like they're looking really good right now. That's nails. Awesome info. That's great. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, Sean. Well, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Rob.